Hello and welcome to another episode of Dreaming Out Loud with your host, me, Morgan T. Nelson. Look guys, before we get started in today's interview, I'm obligated to share something with you that's been a complete freaking game changer to my life. If you want to grow any kind of business or grow yourself, grow your income or pursue your dreams, do you know where it all actually starts? It starts with your health. So your outer world is a direct reflection of your inside world. So when you're thinking clearer and sharper and you're feeling healthier, happier, and you've got more energy and vitality, everything around you starts to amplify. So that's why I have one of these bad boys every single day. It's called BEA or a beer is what I call it. It stands for botanical energy and adaptogens. So guys, this is straight up the world's healthiest energy drink. It's been a complete game changer in my life and my business. It's jam-packed full of all the good stuff that our bodies actually need every single day and it has a full serving of vegetables, but tastes nothing like it, thank God, right? That's pretty good. Uh, it's so freaking easy. I love it. It's so easy to be able to swap this out for a coffee. Like I used to be a coffee fanatic, energy drink fanatic, and this is just way, way, way better to swap it out for these things. You know, when I used to be a carpenter, I lived off energy drinks because I knew that I needed it to get through the big days of work. Otherwise, I'd just crash out. But I also knew the damage it was doing to my body every single day. And if I continued doing it, I knew that ultimately my life would just start to get even worse than what it was. So I'm so freaking stoked that now I've got my hands on this drink, that it's got a nourishing blend of raw nutrients sourced from whole fruit, fruits, and vegetable ingredients, guys. And it's got none of the bad stuff that ruins the insides of your bodies. So if you guys want to grab your case of BEA, then jump in the link of this episode right now and you're going to get 25% off as one of my listeners. All right, jump in right now, grab yours and come and share a can with me. All right, now let's get into this interview. Welcome to the Dreaming Out Loud family where young entrepreneurs come to get inspired, learn the tips, tricks and attitude of what it takes to live their dream life. I'm your host, Morgan Nelson. Each week, I'm going to bring you the most epic guests to share their stories and wisdom to help you expand your mind of what's truly possible in your world. All right, guys. Today's guest is an absolute ball of energy, value, and knowledge when it comes to sales and business. He's an international speaker and author of 42 books and a multimillionaire. He dropped out of high school at 16 years old and was a millionaire by the age of 26, but was then flat broke again at 27. After clawing his way out of financial ruin, he built four different multi-million dollar companies before he turned 40. Through overcoming this adversity, he's become the best-selling author, like I said, of 42 books all about turning tragedy into triumph. After interviewing 2,500 people all around the world for his research, he's the pioneer and founder of the drive sales system, which is this absolute mind-blowing sales system that helps people identify the five buying languages of their customers. So please guys, help me welcome the guy who's gone from being a millionaire to losing it all again to now being back stronger and more impactful now than ever, having shared his cutting-edge sales techniques on ABC, CBS, NBC, Fox, and Forbes with the release of his new book, Drive Sales System, my friend, Mr. Woody Woodward. Thank you, Morgan. I appreciate the introduction. As you're reading that off, I was thinking, man, I want to meet this guy. That sounds amazing. <laughs> it's, it's kind of funny how life works because, you know, you, you know, it's like you go through life, you have ups and downs, and you don't ever think anything of it because it's your life. But when you stop, you hear like, oh, man, I, I need to do more. Like, it's great, but I need to do more. It's, it's so interesting that like I, I, and I know that it's like you got to balance between 
the being insanely grateful and proud of what you've done, but so disgusted at the same time, knowing you can do more, having higher standards. But I did the other day, I literally went away to Hamilton Island. I don't know if you've been there, but you need to go there next time you're back here, Woody. Um, and I had like a self-reflection trip, like a vision trip and like a recap of what I've done. And I started sitting at dinner one night. I was all on my own. I went five nights on my own. And I started writing down all the things I've achieved. And at the start, I was like, I haven't done anything. And then I was like, bang, 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 bang. I was like, wow. And it's just good to kind of reflect and then re-visualize me. Okay, what's next? What are we doing? So I love it. I'm, I'm really impressed you did that. I call it bullet bios. So here's the first nugget for our listeners. Write what's called your bullet bio. And what you do is you literally go from your first memory in elementary school and, you know, first grade this happened, second grade this happened. Don't write a paragraph, just write a bullet. That's why I call it bullet bios. And I thought I could do it in a couple hours. It took me about three days. But after I did it, I had like 16 pages of all the little highs and lows that, you know, changed my life. And then a couple years later, that turned into my first book called Millionaire Dropouts, inspiring stories of the world's greatest failures. Because I noticed everybody had these ups and downs and highs and lows. And those who kept going became successful and those who didn't, didn't. So yeah, I think it's a huge uh, asset for oneself and self-discovery to write your bullet bio. Yeah, I love it. And guys, I want to uh, give you guys a bit of a heads up. What's going to be happening on this episode? It's the first one we've ever done like this. And I'm so freaking, I had no idea we we're even doing it. Woody just dropped this on me before. And I'm like, no way. This is going to be so cool. So most of you listen to this through iTunes, Spotify, or whatever. Um, I'm launching all these episodes will be loaded into YouTube now. So what Woody's actually going to be doing, this is going to be a visual uh, lesson as well as audio. You, def- you can definitely listen to the audio. You get tons of value from it anyway. This is going to be something you want to head to my YouTube and check out. If you're listening to this right now, I hope it should be on YouTube. It will be on YouTube. I'll make sure it's on YouTube. Go to my YouTube at Morgan T. Nelson. There's not going to be much on there yet, but I'm starting these episodes and you can watch the visual of what Woody's actually going to be taking us through today. And it's going to be amazing. But before we get into it, Woody, you got to take us back, man. You're a millionaire at 26 years old, dropping out of high school at 16. What happened in those first 10 years? Oh, my gosh. That's a long way. So I sold my first idea to Zoomies. Zoomies is a huge chain here in the States. And it was a key chain. And so I sold my first idea. And getting it's funny saying dropped out or getting kicked out. It's kind of just a debate between me and my principal. I got in a lot of trouble. And they pretty much said, get out of here. And I was like, fine, I don't need you anyways. And sold my first idea. And then I floundered and fell like most people do. And then I finally you know, caught a break. And through relationships and connections, I was in the process of taking a company public. My two business partners were uh, my mentors in my life. They were very successful entrepreneurs. I partnered with them. It was a toy company. And we had uh, did the private share equity, converting it over to a publicly traded company. And that's what gave me my first net worth of a million dollars. And this was in 1999, 2000. That was the dot-com.bomb where all the stocks just dropped in six months. So I went from having two houses and thinking I was going to be retired to literally living in my parents' basement, unfinished basement, a 10 foot by 10 foot room, going from a 4,500 square foot home to literally concrete floors wiping the dust dust off our beds every night. And it was, it was humbling. It was very humbling. Do you think, do you think that happened for a reason or like, was there a lesson he said that it was humbling? So I don't believe in reasons. A lot of times people say, Oh, you know, that's a reason. I'm like, that is BS. And by the way, here's the definition of BS. That is your belief system. 
So I was really young. I was 11 years old. I was, you know, Tom Sawyer like was lying to my mom and she's getting really mad at me. And she, she got frustrated and she said, that's BS. I said, what's BS? And she said, it's your belief system. Now go to your room. I was 11 years old. I've never forgot that phrase. And I think in business, we all have BS. In fact, one of my books is called BS and other advice about money. It's our belief system and how we do it. So when people say, oh, it was for a reason. If you change that language and say, I make the reason, I create the definition, then you don't feel like your life is happening by happenstance. You're in complete control of it. So I believe in 100% responsibility. Nobody makes my life good. Nobody makes my life bad. No one's pulling the strings. I'm 100% responsible to how I look at every environment and every situation that I'm in. That's incredible. I'd love to, I really want to understand how your brain works really. Like, so the first time, so we met at the start of this year uh, at an event and you know, the, whoever went before you, there was a few speakers before you and I was kind of like falling asleep. And the next minute you get on stage and you're like, boom, and you just freaking start. <laughs> I'm like, who is this guy? <laughs> and uh, you know, I'm like, you, you've got this edge about you. You've got this, like, I want to even say this obsessive, uh, nature about you, which is amazing because all successful people do. Yeah. But you've written 42 books. How, how do you, like most people don't even write a book in their life. Maybe they don't even read a book in their life. Yeah. Write one. How, how do you, A, like keep getting ideas, but then actually actually on them like 42 times over? I just find that really fascinating. So that's, I think you just nailed it. It's called obsession. Um, I had a, a dear friend, Todd Clark, who once said, life is unfair, go out and get your unfair share. And so I didn't know how to read until I was 19 years old because I had dropped out of high school and I was gotten a lot of trouble growing up. So in elementary school, I didn't learn how to read. And then I got pushed around. I got kicked out of two middle schools. And by the time I got to high school, I was falling so far behind that dropping out or getting kicked out was just a matter of a life choice. So when I was 19, I didn't know how to read. I hired a tutor and it was the first, you know, coach I ever hired, uh, one of many I would hire in my lifetime. And so during that time, I realized that if I, this is where my whole addiction to 100% responsibility, if I'm going to change anything in my life, it's going to be me. So this obsession of, I don't like my results, I'm going to change my results, I just go after it. Like there is no inhibition. Like I won't, I will humiliate my, it's not even humiliation, I will do anything I want to get the result I want because I can't tolerate living any other way than the way that I want. That's amazing. How, how do you stop? Um, how do you stop yourself from becoming complacent? Like you think after writing 10 books and like ticking that and becoming a millionaire and buying, I know you love your cars, right? You got these nice cars, this beautiful house. How do you not become complacent and be okay and just content with, with everything you've already done? So I first want to address, there's nothing wrong with becoming complacent. There's nothing wrong with being at peace with your life or your style. I, on the other hand, am never complacent. I'm just never happy. And I, I, I mean, I'm happy. I mean, you'll hear my voice. I'm a happy human being. I'll rephrase that. I'm never at peace. Like there's no peace in my life. I always want something more. So um, lifelong dream was to get a Ferrari. And I always want to pay cash for it. Otherwise, to me, it wasn't getting a Ferrari. So I buy a Ferrari after my bankruptcy. I pay cash for it, have the Maserati. I have the Range Rover. I have the big house, had it all for about one year and thought, yeah, no, I don't want this anymore. Let's sell it all. And let's go travel the world. And so we literally did. We sold everything we owned, our couches, our furniture, and you name it. If it was on the wall, we sold it. 
And to me, I just believe that I want to collect memories and not possessions, though I love possessions like cars and houses. But at the end of the day, I've never been to a funeral seeing a hearse pulling a U-Haul trailer. Like you're going to die. You're not taking a single thing with you. So burn through it as fast as you can, have as much fun with it as you can, and just move on to the next thing. Yeah. Do you not think that's, uh, you know, because I bet so many people listening right now would be like, well, I don't want to succeed if it's going to mean that I'm giving away my peace. How do you mean so by you that? Don't, yeah, you don't have to give away your peace. You genuinely don't. I have very successful friends who are very peaceful. I have one guy who's complete opposite of me, and he's worth 10 to- 20 times what I'm worth. And he has like the same house he's had forever. He buys a car and keeps it forever. And he, he'll build a barn to store his cars in because he'll never sell them. He's very peaceful. And when you're around him, he's totally peaceful. I'm just inherently not that human being. <laughs> I'm, I'm like the Energizer Bunny on crack. So here's one advice I would give to our listeners. Embrace your hot mess and be a hot mess out loud. I had a client. So I do a lot of consulting. I do a lot of coaching. I coach high net individuals and actors and musicians and athletes. And uh, I had this one guy who was going for Saturday Night Live. I don't know if you guys have Saturday Night Live in Australia, but it's one of the longest running shows in the States, 45 years. And it's a comedy show, a sketch show. So he was going to audition for it. And he is a, a short, fat dude. He's, he's as wide as he is tall, this super round guy. And he's freaking out. He's stressed out about this audition. And I finally said, Christian, you're a hot mess. Just be a hot mess out loud. And it triggers something in my brain. I thought, wait a minute, we're all a hot mess. Like if we quit trying to be something we're not, if we embrace our uniqueness, if we embrace our creativity and who we truly are and make no apologies for it, other people will love you for that. And so if you go onto YouTube and type in Fruit Ninja, he's the guy on the horse playing the Fruit Ninja. And he got 32 million views on that one video and it launched his career but he was just being a hot mess out loud. And I, to this day, live that way. It's just be a hot mess. Yeah. I think it really comes down to someone's values as well. Like, you know, like some people value, like you and I were talking about this and identifying my drive system and I value experiences. I value doing all this. And that's, that's what makes me, I, I cannot live with the fact of knowing <laughs> that I'm going to die one day. And I'm going to face off, like I will face off with the person that I could have become. Yeah. And that scares the shit out of me that I'm going to meet someone so much better that did so (laughs) much more. You know what I mean? And that scares the crap out of me. It's like, I can't sit still. I want to have more, not from a greed, not because I just know we've got infinite potential and we can do so much incredible things here. We can help so many more people. And that's what motivates me. That's what I value. Now, as other people who value watching Netflix and being mediocre and doing nothing. But those people don't listen to this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Right? You're spot on. Those people (laughs) do not listen to this podcast or any podcast. Yeah. They probably don't like me. They're probably like, man, that guy's too much. (laughs) Okay. So let's let's talk about that because that does kind of give us a little bit of an introduction into drive. Um, I've created what's called the drive cell system, but it's really the drive system. It's all about your personality and there's five unique personalities. And when you embrace your drive, when you understand what physically drives you and you quit trying to force the wrong gear to use an analogy of driving, you, you quit trying to force it or you're not running your car on empty or you're running on flat tires, you can get to any destination you want. And I do believe this after I've interviewed over 2,500 people, actually I've interviewed tens of thousands of people through my website. I personally have interviewed over 2,000. I have read over 2,500 biographies. 
I do not believe, and I want to be very clear on this, I don't believe there's a right or a wrong way to live. Meaning you don't have to go for it 24 hours a day. You don't have to, whatever you choose to live, that is your choice. That's like the one God-given birthright you have is to choose how you want to live. So if that is the right that you have, then embrace it and don't try to be somebody else. I love that. Before we crack into this drive, um, what is your obsession with sales? Why do you enjoy sales so much? That's a cool thing. Um, I sold my first idea when I was in elementary school. I went awesome. to school, I went to the grocery store, and they had what was called bulk items at the time. And it was just candy in bulk. So it wasn't in the individual wrappers. You just buy them in these bags. So I went to school, sold it all, made a ton of money. I thought, oh my gosh, I can buy a new bike. I was like, just ecstatic. And then in high school, before I dropped out, I bought a bunch of baseball cards at a garage sale and sold them all. I thought, there's something really, really fun about getting stuff, trading it to somebody else for more stuff, and then trading that stuff for money, and then going buying more stuff. And then, like, there's just this game. And then uh, I've, I've had three major careers. My first career was a toy designer. So I used to design toys, sell toys. I've been to all over India, China, Thailand, you name it, setting up toy factories. And the, the best thing about the toy industry is it's very cyclical, meaning they work all year long for Christmas. Now, Christmas controls the toy industry. The second your product sells at Christmas, they start all over again and try to create a new product. So yeah, you've got your evergreen products, like your Etch-a-Sketch, your Legos, and Nerf, things that have sold for 20 or 30 years. But you wouldn't believe how many millions and millions of dollars are spent on design, packaging, and it's gone in six months and they start over. That got me addicted to buying behaviors. Why do some toys stay forever, like Slinky or um, Silly Putty or Crayola Crayons, where other businesses literally come and go every other season? So I started studying human behavior then, why we buy, how we buy, and can you trigger a evergreen product where people want to come back and keep buying? And then that led into just some insane discoveries and fun things. And that's really what I write about and what I'm here to share with you today. I love it. So, so getting, getting products that will reoccurringly, like just always keep going. It's about tapping into understanding why people buy. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. And, and I'm, I'm really fascinated on it as well. Like I kind of accidentally fell into sales, uh, you know, through starting network marketing. And then for so long being like, oh, I don't sell, I'm not a salesperson. And then it's like, no, I, I, I really, really like it. It's, it's really fun because everyone's buying. Everyone's buying and selling all day long. People don't like to be all sold, day long. but they love to buy. Everyone loves to buy and, and I love to help people. And how do you feel when you go buy a Ferrari? <laughs> right? Okay, so I got to tell you, let me tell you that story. This is one of the yeah. coolest yeah. stories. Uh, oh, this did not make the book. And I wanted to make the book so bad. It just didn't make the book. I got to tell you how I literally got convinced to buy it. Though I wanted one since I was 13 years old, I was on a family vacation, did not plan to buy a Ferrari, walked out with a Ferrari. This guy sold me so good. I've never been sold so much in my life. And he triggered, so I, I became good friends with him. His name's Stretch. And I've interviewed him for the book. It'll go into another book. But um, I want to back up and I'll come back to the story. There's a couple of really important parts here. All of us are physically selling every day. You sell your ideas to other people. If you're a parent, you're selling your ideas to your children. If you are working or coworker, stay-at-home parent, whatever you do every day, you are selling your concepts, your ideas, your uh, inspirations to other people. 
So what I want to do is make that easier for people. Take out the sales part of sales and turn it to serve. So I don't look at selling as selling someone. I don't believe in these, you know, techniques and hard pressure selling and all that stuff. I believe in serving people. If you can physically serve them a solution that they want, they will buy. I believe people love to buy. They just don't want to be sold. So if you give them the right opportunity, they will literally buy that all day long. So let me wrap that around now to the, the Ferrari story. So we're in Arizona, we're on uh, a family vacation, spring break, and I always look at exotic cars. I just, I love doing it. So in Arizona, I go there a lot for work. I always go to the same dealership and I always see Stretch. He's a six foot seven guy, his name is John, but there's two John, so they call him Stretch. I walk in there, he's like, Woody, I found your Ferrari. I'm like, yeah, Stretch, I know. I'll say, yeah, you, know, you said it. No, he's like, come here, I'll show it to you. It's the Ferrari California. And we got to talking, he said, do you know that this car is cheaper to drive than a Suburban. I'm like, come on, there's no way a Ferrari is cheaper than a Suburban. He said, yeah, it is. I said, prove it. I said, okay, you buy a Suburban, and in three years, it's about an $80,000 car in the US, it's gonna be worth about $40,000 in three years. I said, yeah, that's right. Um, he said, you buy this used Ferrari, it's already been depreciated. In three years, I'll buy it back from you for nine grand less. I thought, wait a minute, you may tell me I can drive a Ferrari for three years for nine grand? I'm like, no, I, I justified, no, I'm not interested and gave them all excuses. I said, oh, you know, the other problem with Ferraris, I'm just, you know, I'm spilling out excuses like everyone always does. I said, they're super expensive to maintain. He said, well, you're right. And he points over to the 430 and the 360. He goes, yeah, if you drive those ones, they're really expensive. They'll run you 10 to 15 grand a year. He goes, this car will run you maybe six to $700 a year to maintain. I'm like, no way that's true. He goes, research it. So I go home. I'm all night long. I'm on the Ferrari form. I'm reading everything about the California. Find out, yeah, it's six to $700 because it's what's called a GT model, which is the Grand Turismo. It's built to be a daily driver. So it doesn't break down. So I go back to him. Now, this time I bring my wife because I thought she's got to see it. So we go in there and we take it for a test drive and it is fast. It is fantastic. She gets behind the wheel. I'm scared to death. And now I'm trying to use her as the excuse. I'm like, babe, why don't you buy it? And then I'll get something else. Like, you need this car. She's like, no way. This, is, this has been your dream forever. It's your car. I personally can't justify it. Then she asked me a question that changed the game. She goes, can we write it off on our taxes? Can we create a business around this car? I thought, ooh, wait a minute. So I called all my friends who had exotics. I said, how did you set it up on your taxes? So long story short, he didn't sell me a Ferrari. He sold me a business. We ended up opening uh, Renegade Exotics. We bought the Ferrari. One, like, one month later, we bought a Maserati. And next month after that, we bought a Range Rover. We then started to rent them out. We started using them in ads, photo shoots, things like that. Um, I ended up saving in one year on my taxes. I paid the U.S. government $60,000 less than the year before because of that company. When I sold the car, I lost, I lost, I think it was $12,000 uh, on the depreciation, but I physically made 60,000 by not paying the government. So subtract those two. I netted $48,000 driving a Ferrari, a Range Rover and a Maserati, but all that happened because of the ask. So I have a whole program called ask, don't tell. If you ask people questions, you never sell them, 
they will literally convince themselves that they have to do it. My, my wife's famous saying is we were walking away. She's like, we would be stupid not to buy this Ferrari because all the numbers, all the math made sense. And so, yeah, it was one of the best financial decisions I ever made. And plus then we joined all the car clubs. We met amazing people, got new clients. I mean, I'm not even talking about the additional money I made by having clients by having that car. So yeah, it's, it's a fun thing. It's such a different way of looking at it. Cause so, like, you know, it's, oh, I don't even get into it, but it's just like who you're taking advice from. Cause I've looked at nice cars before as well. And, and people who make less than six figures, no, oh, don't buy it's a waste of money, blah, blah, blah. You know? And then I heard, um, who was it? Uh, I was at a T Harvecker event and he spoke about Robert Kiyosaki's wife. She wanted to buy a Bentley. I think it was, let's just call it half a million bucks just to yeah. make it easy for the sake of the story. She wanted to buy a half a million dollar car and she's like, okay, well, how can I take that $500,000 $500, buy a business that's going to produce cash flow to pay for the repayments <clears throat> of this Bentley? And what she did, she went and took it and she bought a storage container unit that generated X amount of dollars per week that covered repayments on a Bentley plus profit. So now yeah. she's got her, her car. So she's about looking at different ways. How can you have more of what you want and negotiate and look for it, look for different kind of ways to make it happen. Um, I got to ask you though, with you, with your business, was it even a profitable business? Did you actually run it as a business or was it just, uh, yeah, I, I love the air quotes <laughs> on that one. So I am, I'm definitely afraid of the U S government. So I don't know, <laughs> I don't know about your country, but I am definitely afraid of the U S government. So I ran it as a business. Um, it was not profitable. And so I actually did close the business down and did sell the cars. Mm -hmm. It was pro if you look at the total net profit, yes, I made money on my saving on my taxes, but I really did want to turn it into a business. And so after yeah. a year and a half, I thought, you know, if you have anything go wrong with these cars, a transmission engine, you're out 30 grand. I thought, you know what, let's take that money, that capital, let's put it elsewhere. But if you look at the net profit, absolutely. I got ahead. Yeah. That's so amazing. I, I, we, uh, we hired a Ferrari here on the Gold Coast a few weekends ago. Um, like it was my mate's birthday yeah. and, um, brand new 2020. Like it was, it was, it was fast. <laughs> I, I definitely, definitely didn't break the speed limit. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely didn't do it's anything illegal. No <laughs> laws were broken. No children were harmed. There no was, animals were touched. There was not you know, all I can say is that, um, <laughs> I would never buy one myself because I wouldn't trust myself. <laughs> but it was, it was insane. I'll tell you when we stop recording what happened. But it, it was, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the conversation for after the conversation. Yeah, that's after. <laughs> All right. Well, here's, here's a funny story I'll add to that. Yeah, yeah. Remind me. Um, the best thing about having an exotic car is the car clubs. So there's a lot of guys and gals who have high-end cars and they love to get together on a Sunday and go for a drive. So I don't like the speed once again, because I'm afraid of the U S government. I don't want to go to jail. So I get in the car club. I'm like, yeah, yes. I, I think it's literally, I think it's going to be like the Sunday drive. We all enjoy nice cars. We're gonna go for the drive. We get on the freeway. And now these all a type personalities, they're in their McLarens or Lamborghinis, their GTs. They're doing 200 miles an hour on the freeway. Or I'm going 75 thinking, well, I can't join the club. Like I can't keep up with them. So I would just meet them at all the stops where we're having lunch. Like I couldn't even keep up with them at all. I didn't, I didn't want to risk it. Uh, that, that's, that's not too bad though. If you're all doing that speed limit, cause it's like, what's the chances of you all being caught? It's like, it's like a, it's like a gamble, right? <laughs> so that happened one Sunday. 
Someone called the police. There were seven, uh, seven cop cars on the freeway waiting for us as they flew by at 120 to 180. 18 people got tickets. But no one's car got impounded. And I was the last one in the, just driving and watching, laughing at every one of them. No one got their car impounded, but they did. They stuck oh. 18 people and gave tickets. Oh, my God. Well, you, can't, you can't get away with it forever. Nah. Um, Woody, let's jump into the sales, into the, the drive sales. We, we've, I'm so pumped for everyone to see this. Uh, I'm going to... Can you... I can pull it up. Do you want to pull it on? Yeah. Can you share your screen? Is that working? Yeah. Yeah. Guys, this is, this is going to blow your mind. Hey, like, you know, exactly what we were talking about before. Really... Um, you know, people love to buy. And when I first saw this from you, Woody, I was like, this is so great because I love to be able to help people, but sometimes I can't, I know that if people get on our products, uh, be part of our community, their whole lives get changed. I know it, but sometimes yeah. I struggle being able to articulate that to people. Like if I could tell 20 year old Morgan exactly what this could be for him, knowing what it is, I wouldn't even know how to articulate it in a way that would relate to him. Um, but with this and really understanding it, it's really, really going to help. So I'm pumped. Awesome, my friend. All right, well, I'll jump into it. Once again, if you guys are listening to the audio on this, it will not be as cool as the visual. Go to Morgan T. Nielsen on, on YouTube. Check out the visuals. But for those of you listening, if you can't, you're driving, you can't watch it, no problem. We'll keep going. So we're going to make it very interactive. Pick a number between 1 and 10. In your mind, pick a number between 1 and 10. Now double that number. So pick a number between 1 and 10 and double that number. Simple third grade math. Add 6 to that number. Now half that number. Subtract your original number that you chose. On the count of two, say your number. One, two, three. If you did that right, every single person who's listening around the world just hit the number three. Why and how does that work? It's very simple. It's just a mathematical thing. No matter what number you start with, between one and ten, and you do that process, it always comes to three. I believe cells can easily be that predictable. So I want to help you stack the sales odds in your favor. And if you're listening to this and go, oh, Woody, I'm not in sales. Yes, you are. Every single person is in sales. You're selling your opinion, your ID, your, your ideas to the world. So years ago, two friends went for a drive out into the bushes, and they're just out in the sticks. And one friend, all, uh, Walter, turned to his other friend, Arthur, and said, you know what? I bought all this land. I want you to buy all the surrounding acreage. I'm going to build my dream here. And I want you to benefit from me building my dream. Sounds like a lot of, you know, companies bought the land, used by the supporting land. You know, Arthur looks around and thinks, we're out in the sticks. Like, there's nothing here. No one's, we're not even near a freeway. So as a good friend, he gave excuses. I can't buy the land. It's not the right time. My wife won't approve of it. And Walter kept pushing. No, come on, Arthur. You've got to buy it. you got to buy it. It's going to double in value. Nah, just not the right time. Well, one year later, Walt Disney opened up Disneyland on that land, and Art Linkletter, his best friend, had, could have had the rights to buy all the surrounding property. Ironically, during that same time, a family from Japan saw what was happening. The, uh, they're called the Fujisai family. They bought 60 acres around the property for $2,500. 
they sold it back to the Disney Corporation at the end of 1990s for just under $100 million. So yes, he could have, Art could have just blown up, I mean, a legacy play for his family. So whose fault is it that Art didn't buy the property? Is it Walt's fault or is it Art's? I believe it's Walt's fault. Yeah, we could argue all day long personal responsibility, and you know how I feel about that already. But it's really Walt, meaning that Walt could not convey the vision that he had in a language, a buying language, that Art would receive and say, you know what, you're right, Walt, this is a great idea, I should do this. That is what the drive sell system is. That's what I've created, spent my lifetime trying to figure out what drives buying behavior. And I wanna walk you through it, I'm gonna help you identify your drive. So this is where I'm gonna pause for a second. If you are listening to this, it's gonna be very hard for you to identify your drive. It's a visual representation, it's got a bunch of words on it. You gotta read these five cards, you gotta identify it. I will try, I will read these out loud to you. If you are watching this on YouTube, fast forward this part because you don't wanna hear me read all these words, read them to yourself. So if you're on YouTube right now, just pause this and read it to yourself and then move forward. If you're driving the car, I am gonna read this out to you. Hopefully this will work. So uh, write this letter down or think of this letter. Well, here's a very simple way to do it, D-R-I-V-E. I'm gonna read the drive card, the D card, the R card, the I card, B card, E card. What I want you to do is put those cards, or actually for simple terms, think of the one card that has the most amount of words on it that makes you feel important. Not what's important to you, what makes you feel important. So work can be important to you, but work may not make you feel important. Family can be important to you, but family may not make you feel important. Which one of these cards makes you feel important? So for example, Morgan, he knew that experiences made him feel important. So I'm gonna read these off. For D, experiencing life, life's purpose, freedom, creativity, performing, overcoming, or appearance. On the R card, relationships, influence, service, family, friends, parenting, spirituality. Hey, we can, yes, can I ahead. jump in here for a sec? So yes. I think this is where, so I'd love to understand this. So you said it's what makes you feel important. So, yes, not what's uh, important to you. This is the most, this is, this is the most crucial part of this experience. Mm -hmm. What makes you feel important, not what's important to you. Cause I think this Let is me. where I get confused because I think in the D I love experiencing life, life's purpose, freedom, that's that's me like i i love that that excites me that gets me going but if someone does recognize me and praise me and uh validates in these other one that we're looking at i think i do feel more important because i don't, I don't know if i feel important if i'm like traveling the world driving nice cars i i just love that am i or am i looking too into this no you're spot on i'm gonna pause you because i want to read the rest of these for those who are okay. listening so i'm gonna pause you and i'll come right back to you so on the i card it's knowledge learning health nature moment standards organize on the v card recognition acceptance praise trust respect validation or being needed the e card is winning control work goals security providing problem solving. So on those, if you were able, if you're listening to this visually, you can see it, no problem. 
But if you're listening to it, which one of those cards makes you feel important? And then Morgan, in about five minutes, I'm going to come right back to that wholeheartedly. So if you guys are watching on YouTube, let's jump back in. Are you guys have listened to this? If you chose D, D is for director. It's all about lifestyle. So the buying motivators are they want an enhanced lifestyle. They want a clear vision of financial and time freedom. They want a VIP experience. If you chose the R card, their buying motivators are consulting with others, family influence, and giving back. If you chose the I card, that is intellectual. They're all about systems. So their buying motivators are the details, the back office, the iOS system, how does it work, you know, step-by-step -step actions to succeed. They want to enhance their intelligence and their expertise. If you chose the V card, that's a validator. They want to be admired. Their buying motivators are attention and focus. How will this make them look better? They want to highlight their accomplishments. If you chose the E card, that is executive. It's all about proof. So they want proof that it works. They want third-party testimonials. They're focused on the big picture. So I'm going to fast forward and I'm going to come back to this. So here's the screenshot right here. Directors want lifestyle. Relators want community. Intellectuals want systems. Validators want to be admired. And executives want proof. Now I Morgan will answer your question. So when you and I were uh, talking before I came on, we identified that you are a VD. So everyone look at your, um, your top two that you chose. So if you were to put them in order one through five, your top two, your first one is called your primary drive. That's why you do what you do. That's what makes you feel important. So Morgan, you were spot on. It makes you feel important to be recognized, to be accepted, to be praised. Now, the great thing about validators is they're phenomenal coaches they're the best team cheerleader they're the ones who've got your back they're your 4 a.m. friend who will pick you up the airport they'll do anything for you that's why you do what you do your secondary drive is your second one yours is director so the why versus the how think about a car your your primary drive is the car the gas you put in the car is your secondary so for you, you're a validator director. Your car is validation. How you get validation is through your lifestyle. So that's why you enjoy the trips, you enjoy renting the Ferrari, you enjoy doing those things, but it doesn't make you feel important. It fuels what makes you feel important, which is your validation. Does that make sense? Yeah, that kind of makes a little bit more sense because I was also writing down here and you're saying that the, the, why they buy for a validator is because it makes them look better. Well, I know why I do buy is for lifestyle though. So like, so if, like, if like, let's say if you're, uh, oh, fuck, I don't know. Cause like, if I'm thinking like, if I go buy, I bought these epic Alexander McQueen shoes the other day, they're like $800 shoes. I bought them because I'm going to look like a boss when I, when I, they don't, you know, they don't feel very comfortable, but like if I, <laughs> you know, like I, I don't know. look like a boss, you're not mm. wearing them by yourself in your house you're wearing them out in public so people will see them yes that's the validation okay so that's the primary one you think yep and how so I once again the validation is, is through doing epic experiences like by nice yes shoes. yes okay so the, the why versus the how why you're doing it is validation how you're getting your validation is buying the epic shoes and so this is a great thing when we're talking about selling to people, you want to address both their why and their how. So I'm a director relator. I'm driven by lifestyle. So 
the cars, the house, VIP experiences. But I get that I get there by my relationships. So being friends with Morgan, having him on my or having allowing or he allowing me to be on his podcast is the relationship that I can then get people into uh, help me have the lifestyle that I want. So it's your why versus your how. And that's way deeper than I wanted to go into in this session. Uh, it's like three sessions down. But for those of you listening or watching, just right now, look at your primary drive. Just the first one you chose. We'll play with that. And then later on, maybe Morgan, I'll come back and we'll do a deeper dive into the secondary drives. Love it. Okay. So for those of you who have seen the US version of Shark Tank, let me share with you the, actually, let's, you know what? I'm going to go back to something else really cool. This will really help. I'm going to read this paragraph. I want you to close your eyes and not unless you're driving, don't do it for driving. Um, I want to read this paragraph to you. I want you to identify and see if it resonates with you. So if you chose D for director, they enjoy a good challenge and love to feel free and independent. They are a thrive on being creative, discovering new things and experiencing life. They are great in social settings, putting together a variety of people and making something happen. They find joy in overcoming obstacles and making a difference in the world. So go ahead and open your eyes. If you are a director, give us a thumbs up. Let's see if that resonates with you. If you're a relator, they know how to build strong, long-term, healthy relationships. In the workplace, their strength is in networking and building other people up to a higher level of productivity. They garner energy and security through their relationships. They are loyal to their friends and are service-minded. Intellectuals. They are stimulated intellectually either through books, speeches, research, conversation, or organizations. Success comes when they accomplish a task. They'd rather be learning something new than just lying around. They are driven to understand and be more knowledgeable. They like to share what they know with others. Validators, they enjoy intimate small groups of people where they are being validated. Often, they are wonderful at giving validation to others. Their confidence stems from the strength of their relationships. If they feel like they are in a healthy, caring, and trusted relationship, they feel strong, secure, and loved. Executives, they are productive and thrive on getting the job done, task-oriented and focused on getting results. They do not like small talk and would prefer tackling a project rather than sitting around wasting time. They are happiest when they are pursuing or achieving a desired goal. So if you're listening to YouTube, put in the comments, what is your drive? So if I back up real quick here, Morgan, as a validator, as I read that paragraph, does that resonate with you? Uh, yeah, it does. It does. Um, it, it, it's, it really like, I'm literally split in the middle between validator and the director. I feel. Okay. Cause and it is that cause I, I do, cause I do really hype you. Like I'm, I'm always, you know, cause I, I do, I am always, I've got many great relationships, you know, and when I am in amazing ones, I, I do feel great. And part of my living is relationships. Like I have a okay. big, strong community and all that. And this is great because this happens to some people. It's probably one out of 50 this happens to. You get pulled between the two. So I'm going to go back to the beginning. So if any of you are watching or listening, if you have that same thing, like, well, Woody, I just feel kind of pulled. When you look at these drive cards again, so for yours as director and validator, which one could you not live without? Uh, the D. Okay, so you're a director. So you're okay. a director, validator. So you are driven. The why you do what you do is for lifestyle. How you get that is through validation. So with your friends, your relationships, your connections, going out there in the world, you get the lifestyle you want through your relationships. 
That yeah, I think that, yes, that makes, that probably makes more sense. Yeah. I live an epic quality of life because of the relationships I have with people, what I've done. Um, and all Perfect. That. yeah. Okay. Cause I noticed on the screen when I read director, you're like, y'all thumbs up and it's totally me and validated to do that. I thought, okay, we need to clarify. Yeah. So once okay. again, for you guys who are playing along, you want to make sure you understand it because the rest of this will have a much deeper impact. It's the why versus the how. So let's go back, get on track here. So drive the shark tank. Have you guys seen the shark tank? Do you guys have this at all? We do have an Australian version, um, but the American one's super popular over here too. Okay. So you know who these people are. Wonderful. Okay. So Robert, he's a director. He's all about lifestyle. It's his mansions, his cars, his plane. He was on Dancing with the Stars, married his dancing partner, all about lifestyle. And I want to be clear here on directors. It's not about money. It's not about materialism. I have a lot of directors who like to live a very simplistic lifestyle. It doesn't have to be mansions and Ferraris, but it's the lifestyle that you chose. Lori, she's all about relationships. She's about community. She wants to take your idea from Shark Tank and get it out to the rest of the world. Damon John, he's an intellectual. He's about systems. He's the one who'll always ask, is it patented? Where's it being manufactured? Who's doing your distribution? He's very systematic. Mark Cuban, he's the validator, he's the life of the party, he's the coach, he's the guy who will cheer you on when you don't get a deal on Shark Tank. He'll always say, you know what, hang in there, you'll make it. I floundered for a while, you'll make it too. He's very encouraging. Kevin O'Leary, he's the executive. It's all about proof. Show me the money. He wants the numbers, he doesn't care about the fluff. He's all about third-party validation, does the work, he wants proof. So once again, directors want lifestyle, relators want community. Intellectuals want systems, validators want to be admired, and executives want proof. This brings us to what I call the 2080 rule. You lose 80% of your cells based on your drive, meaning you inherently speak one drive language, which is yours. You alienate the other four, which is 80%. So look at Walt Disney again. He's a director. It's all about lifestyle. I literally live nine minutes from Disney World. It's one exit away from me. In fact, we're actually going tomorrow. If you go into Disneyland or Disney World, it's built for a lifestyle. You got Tomorrowland, Frontierland, Galaxy Far, Far Away, Toontown. Everything is built about lifestyle. So when he was pitching the idea to Art Linkletter, who was a validator who owned TV shows and radio shows, he didn't care. He wouldn't buy into the vision that Walt had. So how this and why this applies to you is we're the same way. We're trying to convey every day our thoughts, our ideas, our products, our services, our messages. And if we aren't doing it in a language that they understand, it's no different than getting on a plane, going to a foreign country and speaking your native tongue and alienating their native tongue. So 2080 rule, director alienates all the other four. Same thing with relator, intellectual, validator, and executive. So let's see how the 2080 rule applies to the shark tank. Robert, he has been pitched 511 times, but he's only been closed 11%. So that's the 20% and under. Now being pitched 511 times is an enormous amount of deals, but he's only been closed 11%. You know that old adage, uh, put your money where your mouth is. So I did some research on where do these guys put their top investments? What products are they in? His largest deal was $5 million into zero pollution motors. It's a car company. So as a director, he's all about cars. He wants to change the world through cars. That's where he put his money. 
Lori, she's been closed only 20% of the time. Her largest investment was 600 grand into Rufflebutts. And I had to Google that. I didn't know what it was. It's a kid's clothing line. So you look at, you know, kids are the future of tomorrow. She's willing to put her money right into that community of kids. Damon John also only been closed 15% of the time. Once again, under 20. His largest investment was 500,000 into Hell's Bells helmets. So you think about manufacturing, a helmet to protect the brain, nationwide, worldwide, the amount of government approval, the amount of systems you have to put in place for QC to make sure the helmet actually works. You want an intellectual investing in that business. Mark Cuban, he has been pitched uh, 443 times. As, and I put this in green if you can see this. He's done the most amount of deals in the Shark Tank, though he's been pitched the second to least amount of times. Once again, a validator is all about helping other people, giving validation to others. So what does he do? He helps and invests in others. His largest investment was $2 million into 1031 Productions. I didn't know what that was. I Googled it. It's a party company. So to be the life of the party, he physically bought a party company for $2 million. That's my boy, Mark. It's interesting. He has been pitched the most. And I put his in red because he's actually done the least amount of deals because as an executive, he has to have the most proof to make a decision. His largest investment, 2.5 million into Zips for 10% of their business. Zips is the company that has the patent for the individual wine glass that has that film on it that you peel off. So what's the most profitable industry in the world? It's got to be liquor and spirits. That's where he put his money because he knew, knows that's where he's going to make the most money back. So think about your life for a second. Think about where you put your money, your time, your, in, uh, your energy. Now look at your drive. You're defending and supporting your drive every day. I know, Morgan, you've done it with the experiences you've had, your moves, what you've done, because you wanted to have a certain lifestyle, but you wanted to be able to get validated for doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So here's how to potentially increase your sales by 400%. Learn all five driving languages that drive behavior and drive sales, and you will have the potential to increase your sales. So has anyone ever closed all the sharks at once? Yes. Charles Michael Yim, season five, episode two. He was seeking $250,000 for 10% stake of his business. It's a very simple product called Breathometer. You plug it in your phone, you blow into it, tells you whether or not you're intoxicated. And so not a super sexy product, but an unnecessary product. What he did though, is when the sharks started quizzing him and asking, he started answering them subconsciously. He didn't know drive. Subconsciously, he started answering every one of them based on their drive. Well, these sharks started literally fighting for it. They ended up closing a deal for a million dollars. He got a 400% increase on his initial ask by addressing all five drives. So in a nutshell, I can go much deeper than that, but I feel like I'm gonna take way too much time. I can go on any questions you have, Morgan, on how drive works, how to use it, uh, where they can find it. You tell me what angle you wanna take and I'll go as deep as you wanna go. Yeah, amazing. And we'll definitely, we'll throw in all the links and everything and we'll throw a plug in right at the end as we wrap this up so people can get onto this book. Um, but yeah, I got, I got two, Two main questions. First one is, how do you identify what someone's drive is? Great question. So um, in the book, the book is called drivesalesbook.com. So if you go to drivesalesbook.com, the first chapter has 
that same slide that you saw right there where you literally can show it with somebody. I have that in a PDF form that you can print offline and use it and I'll give all those links to you and you can put it in there for them. Um, I have a card system where there are they, those exact same cards but they're in a credit card form so you can use them at a restaurant if they get wet, they don't get ruined. And I use those cards. In fact, like, since we are doing a video, I'll show them. I have them right here at my desk. What, so you'll, you'll pull these cards out in a meeting and say, hey, which one are you? Oh, every single time. So, really? So you, you say, you, so you actually will intentionally say, hey, I want to find out who you actually are so I can sell to you. <laughs> well, okay, let's break that down. If you're having a business meeting with somebody, they're meeting with you for a purpose. Mm -hmm. They already know that. So I wouldn't pull these out at a coffee shop. But if I'm going to meet with someone, we're already going to initially talk about why I'm there. So I'll say, you know, I want to get to know you better. If we're going to have this conversation, I'm here to serve you. I'm here to help you in your business. I want to get to know what drives you. Then I just literally lay out all five cards, ask them to put an order of what makes them feel important. They do it. And I'm very honest and transparent. I'll say, oh, great. So you chose intellectual. Intellectuals are all about systems. Would you agree with that? When you're looking to solve a problem, you want the right system. And unanimous, like, yeah, that's totally me. Great. I'm a director. I'm all about lifestyle. So I share with them what my drive is. I don't make it this manipulation thing. I make it as, hey, I really want to get to know you better. Let's talk about this. Let's see how we can play. So I just take the drive cards and use it. Now, here's the cool thing. On the back of the card, it tells you the cheat sheet on how to close them. So oh it has God. their likes, dislikes, shows you which, which environment to close them in. So um, by the time this comes out, the site won't be up, but I'll just tell you now in case the recording comes later, uh, discoveryourdrive.com. Discoveryourdrive.com. That site is not up, but it hopefully will be in the near future. And then also the drive cards, there's a link in the book that shows you how to get them. But yeah, they're, they're killer, and it just walks you through. And I use them every time. When I was writing the book, I had um, – and if you're looking online, the book looks like this. So you know which one you're looking for, Drive Sales Book. Um, when I, uh, I was meeting with this billionaire, she runs a, a huge, huge company. And I was trying to interview her for the book to see if her story would fit. And I told her flat out, I said, you know what? I want to get to know you. The book is about drive, but I want to first understand what makes you tick. Like, how'd you build your company? I have never met anyone who says, no, I don't want to know more about myself. We all love to hear our own mm -hmm. voice. We love to hear our own name. So if you're going to embrace drive, share it. No one's going to say, oh, I don't want to know more. And let's be honest. If they ever said that to you, you can't serve them or sell them anyways because they're not open-minded. Yeah, that's the true point. So that was a perfect filter. Yeah. So I was, I was actually going to say like, you've never had someone kind of turn around and be like, oh, you're, you know, but I guess if they are an open-minded person ready to do business, they're not going to sit there because they're like, I want to get to the, like, let's both work together and and make this work and so it makes yeah. sense um so there's not like a, a question or you know what i mean like like when i'm talking to someone and i kind of identify what their personality colors are it's down to like kind of what, like the questions and stuff and the way you know and that and you can often hear when people talk about their goals like what's your ideal life look like and if they're talking i want to be on a beach in mexico and all, like that's that's me i kind of understand like when they're, they're kind of more of a yellow kind of personality but if someone's like oh, i just want to be I want to be able to help the kids in Africa. They might be like a blue person. So is there kind of like a series of questions you can ask people you can, that you can like when you're just in conversations with people, you can go, you're a director. Absolutely. It's so funny. 
Once again, we're going so much deeper than I thought we were going to That's go. what we get. That's what we get on this show. Oh, man. man. We're just we're hitting value left and right. Let me pull this slide up for you. And that's so what I love. That- I, I love you so much, Woody. Like, like when I first met you, I'm like, dude, what's this guy going to sell today? Because I want to buy it, right? I'm like, this guy is giving. <laughs> I'm like, he's giving so much. And I'm like, he, you know, he's going to sell something. And then you didn't sell shit. I was like, what are you doing here? You're like, I just want to give, I just want to give value. I just want to help people. I'm like, you, you are, you're a fucking legend, man. <laughs> uh, you're awesome, man. So this is called the conversation close. And it's three questions. Other than work and family, what are you most passionate about? Now it's super important to qualify other than work and family. And here's why. Gallup pulled in a study and found that 70% of the people do not like their jobs. So in networking meetings and stuff, people often say, well, what do you do for work? 70% of your audience doesn't want to talk about their job. And the other 3% might be embarrassed by their job. So never ask anybody, what do you do for work? Other than work and family, what are you most passionate about? The reason why you don't want to talk about family is 50% of marriages in divorce. So leave that out. Second question, when you don't get to, and you insert that passion, how does it impact you? What you're looking for is the negative here. Then you want to follow that up with a positive. When you do get to, how does that make you feel? So Morgan, if I were to ask you that, these three questions, and just answer them honestly, first thought that comes to your mind. Other than work and family, what are you most passionate about? Traveling. Okay. So when you don't get to travel, how does it impact you? Um, I hate it. I feel like I'm confined. I feel like I'm, I'm bored. There's no stimulation in my life. Mediocre. <laughs> I already know. I already know my drive. <laughs> <laughs> when you do get to travel, how does it make you feel? I feel free. I feel like I'm living my life. <laughs> yep. Wow. And so if you, if you look at the drive card right there, directors mm-hmm. want lifestyle. So in that question, I instantly know you're a director. Okay. So what one are you again? Oh, you're the same as me, director. Director. Yeah, director. So let's take Thank someone. Uh, can you give us another example of someone you've, you've had in the past? So what, what, about, what about Rob? What's Rob? Rob is a relator. Um, so so, so here, how would he answer this? I've got one for you right here. So relator will answer it like this. So here's some case studies I've done. This one's intellectual. Here we go. So other than working family, what are you most passionate about? I am most passionate about empowering other people, especially women. When you don't get to empower women, how does it impact you? I don't feel important. I don't feel whole. I feel like I've lost my purpose and meaning. When you are able to empower women, how does it make you feel? I feel incredible, blessed to have a positive impact in their lives. So what is she? She's a relator. And those are just mm-hmm. people I called at random that I know and asked them those three questions that I went through their drive just to confirm. Um, and I'm going to skip through some of this. And so once you identify what they are, it's kind of knowing this is what they love. So like, let's take me, for example, example in network marketing. If I was talking to a relator, would it be more so talking down the path of, you know, we, we, you know, we're building houses in Africa and this is about community and helping people and serving and changing the world. And is, am I right with that? It's exactly it. So you wouldn't that talk about, exactly. Hey, let's go make money and, and all that. You will turn them off. You, yeah. you relators, you talk about the money side, they're out. They don't care. Mm-hmm. How mm-hmm. am I going to use that money to make a difference to help my community? That's what they care about. So when you know their drive, you want to serve them and sell them based on that drive. So now that you know their drive, it's easy. So for you, if I know you're a director, here's a sample, a question, a follow-up question. If I can show you a way to achieve 
achieve freedom and live the lifestyle you like through, and I insert network marketing or whatever business I am, would that be worth 15 minutes of your time? Absolutely. Yeah, you're going to say yes, because people want what they want. The problem in sales is we don't give them what they want. If you literally communicate to them based off what they want, the answer is always going to be yes. I always want more of what I want. Yeah, because people, why would they not want something that they want? This is why I love yeah. this when, when done right. Because it's really, this is just, this isn't even sales. This is just about how to effectively do business and put your service in front of the right person. Like if you, if you were selling, I don't know, if, if, yeah, if you were selling uh, rides in your Lamborghinis, you're probably not going to really sell it to a relator. They're probably not going to want to, if you got a skydive business, they're probably not going to want to do it. You're and right. That's, I like this. The cool thing, and I'm not trying to pitch the dry book, you know that, but the cool thing in the dry book is there are so many case studies of each type of business, what businesses are best for which drive personality, how to connect to all of them, how to sell based on, um, let's see here, I've got something here for you. Let me pull something up. Do you have it in an audio? Something. Are you doing an audio book? Yeah, audio book's already done. Amazing. With, you, did you do the audio? No, but ah. I hired a guy. Oh, no, hold on. Everything's mad when I say no. <laughs> So I hired this guy. I have another company called Money Matrix. We did over 500 videos and I couldn't do all the audio. So I hired this guy. He literally sounds exactly like me. Not the same tonality and enthusiasm as I have, but I mean, he is right there. A lot of my clients did not know it wasn't me. So his audio is fantastic. And okay. if you go to drivesalesbook.com right now, when you buy the book, just normal retail, you get the audio for free, which isn't even released yet. You get the ebook for free. And then I have a whole training video that I usually sell for 97 that goes through a lot of what we talked about tonight, but much, much deeper. That's also free. Amazing. And, and you've just given so much freaking value. Um, I, I've got to grab it. Um, I don't even know why. You know the problem? It takes so freaking long to get books over here. Um, I know. And I just never know where I'm going to be because I'm a director. I'm always around. I'm always <laughs> houses and I'm like, where do I post my stuff to? <laughs> <laughs> This is what you got to do. It's the same thing I do. I go to a city and I get, I don't know what you guys have there, but we call it the UPS store where I pay every single month to have my mailbox there. Yeah. So I need I to move all these houses. Like my wife and I counted, we have moved, we've been married 25 years. We have moved 27 times and we have owned 43 cars. So I just, I get a UPS store. I've been in Florida uh, nine months now and I've had three addresses in nine months. <laughs> Oh my God. I love this. Um, I, I, I had one final question and we're going to wrap this up. Um, actually it was my second final question. Sorry. Um, and I think I'm kind of already, I was going to say, how do you kind of talk to them all? So let's say if you're doing like a presentation from stage or something like that and you don't have time to identify somebody, what's kind of the best way of talking to them all? Is it kind of like talking about the lifestyle and the money and the opportunity and helping you kind of blend it all together or what do you do? So that's great uh, question because I, I make my living from stage. I travel the world mm -hmm. speaking from stage and coaching. So when you're speaking to an audience, you got to address all five languages intermittently throughout your speech. Otherwise you will lose them. Now it all depends on how they came to the meeting. So if I was doing a Facebook post or if I was doing ads on Facebook, and I have a whole training on ads. If I were doing that specifically to directors, then I know that audience is 99% directors. I can make the whole speech about directors. 
but I speak for a lot of network marketing companies. If you are doing a sales presentation to the masses, then you have got to make sure that your product identifies with all five personalities. Yeah. I love this. Woody, you've been the freaking best. So guys, you like, I don't even need to tell you, you're probably already on this website already. You've probably already ordered it because like, like I said, last, when I first saw you speak, Woody, I'm like, what's this guy selling? And I'm like, <laughs> I want to freaking buy it. And you had nothing. I'm like, dude, I want more of you. And, and I've been, I've been talking to you for months now. I'm like, Woody, come on my show. Let's do it. You're like, yeah, yep. Yeah. Just, just doing this, just doing this. I'm like, Woody, let's, let's go. And, uh, you know, you've been launching this book and now it's out and it's freaking crushing it. So I'm so stoked that you could jump on guys. So go in. Yeah. You got it right here. If you watch on YouTube, www.drivesalesbook.com. Grab that book. Uh, and all those extras, like it doesn't even surprise me that you're throwing in all these extras for people to go buy it now. Um, I love it. How, okay. Yeah. Where can people find you on socials and stuff? Website, Facebook, Instagram. So social, I am only on Facebook. So facebook.com forward slash meet Woody, M-E-E-T-W-O-D-Y. But I'm pretty maxed out there. So I just started um, a group called Drive Sell System where we can ask each other questions and go through it. So facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash drive sales system. So that's the best way. Um, I'm a very private person. So it's kind of hard to reach me, but I am on Facebook and I'm active. So if you private message me, I will absolutely respond. And it is me. It's not an assistant. I do it every night before I go to bed, go through all of them and just respond to everyone. I, I got to hand it to Morgan, although for those of you who are listening, Morgan literally hit me up almost every other week for the last six months as I was writing Drive. And Drive is not even a week old, by the way. But this book literally came out last Wednesday. We're recording this on a Tuesday night. So... I was like, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. I, this is actually, I didn't even think about this. This is actually the very first interview I've done since the book has yes, been out. Yes. You hounded me, yes. nonstop hounded me. <laughs> and I am so honored and grateful to be on your show, brother. I appreciate you. I love you to death. Thank you for the opportunity. And, and that's really, it's, uh, I'm, yeah, I know. I've, I've, I've messaged you at least like 10, 11, 12 times. And it's not like I'm not like, you know, we met and, and all of that, but, one thing for people listening, because I get messages all the time. Hey, most can you do this for me? Can you do this? And like, holy crap, man. I had this message from someone the other day who's telling me, they just smashed me, said, hey, promote my business. I said, no, like, because I got my branding. Like, I don't, if I just yeah. did it for everybody, my, my Instagram stuff would be a shit show. No one would know what the hell I do. And so I explained it to them in a nicer way. And, and they just started attacking me. They're like, you don't even want to help anyone and, and all this stuff. I was like, hang on a second. And I started giving them advice. I'm like, hey, here's how you kind of ask someone to, to get things. I'm like, give value. Ask for feedback. Ask for advice in a roundabout kind of way where they're going to be like, hey, yeah, I can help you there. And every single time I spoke to you, Woody, I'm like, dude, I want to, and because I love this so much, I'm like, let me know your books out. I want to put it on my platform to help more people get it. And the whole time I was like, how can I just add more value to Woody? And that's how I build every single person I've had on my show. I've kind of met or know kind of personally, or I've done it through adding value to their life. And that's just how I get to network with the, the best freaking people in the world. It's just how can you add value to more people? Because you know, and that, that's just, that's how the world works. Right. So uh, I appreciate you Woody so much for jumping on. Um, everyone's going to go grab a copy of this. So Woody to, to wrap this up, I've just got one final question. Are you ready? I'm ready. Go for it. If you were to go back to your 18 year old self, and give him 30 seconds of advice, what would it be? 
Always keep about $1,000 in bail money. You're going to need it. <laughs> Treat people with respect because you're going to cross that, that bridge again. Never be afraid of failure because your failure is absolutely going to be the catapult that will make you successful. There is not going to be a single success you have in the future that is not tied to a previous failure. Thank you so much for listening. Guys, if you know anyone else who is as passionate for life as they are successful, then please send them my way. I'd absolutely love to have them on the show. As Zig Ziglar says, if you help enough people get what they want in life, you'll have everything you want. So that's why each month I'm choosing one lucky person who has left a review to have a free private 30-minute coaching call with me. So guys, if you got some value or inspiration from this, it goes such a long way. If you can just take 10 seconds and leave a five-star review and you'll go in the draw to win the call. And if you could share this with a friend, I would be forever grateful. Until next time, guys, I've got your back. Go out and dream out loud.